On the heels of the Life Action Conference, as Pastor Earl and Pastor Andrew and I were discussing, we thought, you know, what, what, better, what better topic to, to embrace than this whole idea of the Holy Spirit? Because many of us made decisions, the Lord kind of touched us, spoke to us, we have new resolve to say, you know what, this needs to shift, this needs to adjust. Your tendency will be, I need, I need to try harder. I need to be better at this. I'm going to turn over a new leaf and really try harder. That's not the secret. When I came to the Lord, I thought, okay, Jesus has saved me. Now I've got to really work at being a good Christian. And it frustrated me. Because at points, I'm, I'm, not a good, I'm still not a good Christian at points. Because the issue is not trying harder. And this is, I, I need to continue to, to, to remember this. The issue is surrendering more completely. One said, pull out your note outline. Jot at the top the phrase, Breath is essential for life. Would you just jot that in at the top of your note outline? Breath is essential for life. In fact, in some endeavors, breath, being able to breathe properly, is the key to success. Let's take a peek at the next slide. Who's this guy right here? You recognize that dude? Pavarotti. Luciano Pavarotti considered perhaps arguably the greatest opera singer of all times. Now look at this guy, barrel-chested. The guy's got massive lungs. He understands how to breathe. One of my closest friends at Niles High School, his name's Tim Tobin, uh, world-class. He was a world-class opera singer. 450 performances of Phantom of the Opera in Hamburg, Germany. You can look it up. Tim Tobin, look it up. World class. He is now teaching French and Spanish. In fact, I'm going to sub for him all this next week. French and Spanish at Niles High School. Why? Broke his back on stage. Ended his opera career. He still teaches opera at Notre Dame. Tim, why, why aren't you still performing on stage? Because I can't breathe properly. In opera singing, you've got to be able to breathe. Let's look at the next one. Who's this dude? Michael Phelps, not only world-class swimmer, world-class athlete, world-class breather. His lung capacity surpasses the normal human being. More gold medals than anybody else in history. He understands how to breathe. Next slide. Who's this guy? I have no idea. <laughs> I, just some dude playing a tuba. Found it on the internet. By the way, are you aware that tuba playing requires three times as much breath as playing a trumpet. Three times. World-class tuba players got to know how to breathe properly. Now, why would I bring this up? Breath is essential for life because in the biblical languages, the word for breath and spirit is the same word. Take a peek. Next slide. Hebrew, the word ruah, means breath, it also can be translated spirit. It's interesting. To do a study of the number of times where you see the Holy Spirit and breathing or breath appear in the Bible. We'll see some of those this morning. 
Look at the next word. By the way, oh, no, no, not, not the next screen there. Next word, the Greek word. What, by the way, what English word do we get from this? Yeah, or pneumatic, a pneumatic drill. It's an air drill. Pneumonia, what? Disease of the lungs. Greek, pneuma, breath or spirit. If you go back and look at the phrase you jotted down, breath is essential for life. The breath of God, the Holy Spirit of God, is the key and essential to spiritual life as well. Over the next few weeks, we're going to focus on this topic of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. For some of you, the closest thing to a ghost that you can think of is Casper. That's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how, and this is something that I need to keep revisiting in my own life, that the Holy Spirit is key in my spiritual growth and development, in my ministry, in my marriage, to think, and this is difficult in our culture because we tend to be bootstrap kind of people. I'll just work harder. I'll just strategize. I'll just try harder. I'll plan better. And those are okay. That's not the key. That's not the essential. As a matter of fact, look at the next, and you can fill in your, your box. The Holy Spirit of God is the key to become all that God desires and to accomplish all God intends. Those are two different issues. To become what God wants me to become and to accomplish what God wants me to accomplish. Now, you'll see this morning we're not going to have any maps, regrettably, and no laser pointer that doesn't tend to work, regrettably. However, take a peek at Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. This is how the Bible begins. In the beginning, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's verse 1. Verse 2. Now, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. By the way, interesting point. Remember when Lucifer, Satan, had the rebellion in heaven and fell most theologians and scholars believe that happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. In the beginning, God created, boom, and he created all the angels and Lucifer. But because, jot in your margin, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, one's double of the other, that's how I remember it. That's the fall of Lucifer. When that happened, you now go to verse 2, and the earth was formless and empty. Why? Because of rebellion in heaven. Darkness, look at that, formless, emptiness, darkness. That's what happens as a result of sin. In the midst of that, however, the Spirit of God was hovering and by the way, in your personal life, in your marriage, in your heart, there may, there may be an emptiness, a formlessness, a void, and darkness. That may be happening in, this, in the heart of your son or daughter. They've walked away from the Lord. Good news, Holy Spirit is hovering. The Holy Spirit is hovering. I think God is sending a message to us from the very beginning that his spirit will be actively engaged not only in creation, but in recreation. There's a principle that I don't want you to miss. 
Next screen. This is it. The Spirit of God, and once again, we see in Genesis these object lessons that are timeless truths for all of eternity. God's Spirit is going to continue to be active as the, as the remedy for formlessness, void, and darkness. And so in your marriage, in your relationships, in your own spiritual heart, if there's an emptiness, if there's this void, the key is going to be the Spirit of God who is hovering. Next verse, look at this. The Lord God, this is the creation of mankind. By the way, two, there are two creation stories of man or mankind in Genesis 2. There's an abbreviated one, and then there's an extended one. Watch. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and, underline this on your note outline, breathed into his nostrils, what? Ruah, the breath of life. Where you underline, breathed into him, take an arrow, and now point to the phrase, became a living being. Do you see the cause and effect? Isn't it interesting? God did not have to use this mechanism. God could have said, okay, I'm going to make Adam out of the dust. <laughs> Boom, there you are. Dude, snaps his fingers and he starts breathing. That's not the way God did it. He goes, Why? Again, it doesn't say that Adam was oxygenated. It says God breathed into him his spirit, and the result was a living being. Now, that doesn't mean that Adam became alive. Because up to that point, plants were alive. Armadillos were alive. So what does that mean, he became a living being? What that means is the very image and spiritual nature of God, unlike the animals, was breathed into human beings, into Adam. The point is, from the very beginning, listen to this, you and I were created to live in dependency upon the Spirit of God. Man, I need this, this is important for me. Because so often I don't. In order to be fully alive, I need to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life. Well, we're already alive, dude. It's not what it means. What he means is a different kind of life. Life on a higher plane. And so this becomes number two. Here he is. The Holy Spirit is vital for us to experience the kind of life that God intends. You see, we are different from creatures. Now, those on the left coast are going to tell you 
you're just as important as a sequoia, as a sequoia tree or a luna moth. It's not true. That's not true. There's a different, yes, a sequoia tree and a luna moth, they're alive, and I'm alive. That's where the, but then that's where the similarities cease. Because people, human beings alone, A, were created in the image of God, and incidentally, a rattlesnake hidden. B, we have been breathed into by the Spirit of God, by God's breath. Because of that, we're different from all of creation. There is now a spiritual capacity to us. We have this moral compass. I don't ever recall watching a coyote chase down a rabbit, tear the rabbit to pieces, and the coyote going, why do I keep doing that? I can't believe I just keep doing that stuff. I'm such a knucklehead. You see, that's not true. See, animals are different. They don't have a spirit in them. Have you ever seen an elephant worship? No. Have you ever seen a flamingo pray? No. Have you ever seen a monkey preach? This is second. Don't answer that question. <laughs> We're different than the animals, made in the image of God, breathed into us by the very breath of God. Because of that, when sin enters the world in the Garden of Eden, they lost something. And now, Adam and Eve, their lives began to fall apart. The same is true for us. Unless I live in dependency upon the Holy Spirit, my life is going to fall apart. My marriage is going to fall apart. I will not be able to function properly. I had a razor, one of those Norelco razors, right? And I dropped it. And it hits the counter, the bathroom counter, and now it kind of goes. <coughs> well, it it still it still sort of worked, but because of the fall, it it functions at less than capacity. Because of sin, and because for all have sinned and fall short, continue to fall short of the glory of God. I will not operate at capacity. That brings us to the New Testament. Look at the next scripture. Watch. Key stuff. Once again, this is the book of Acts. is a transitional, kind of like Genesis. It's the beginning of a new way of God's people operating, and so it's, it's good for principles. Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem, but, what's the next word? Would you circle that word, please? But wait for the gift my Father promised, the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see, you and I think you will receive power when you go to a conference that tells you how to evangelize better. 
You will receive power when you ended up knowing how to marketing your church. You'll receive power when you get the raise in your job or that new home or that new motorcycle or that new snowmobile or whatever it is. It's not what it says. When, when will you be infused with power? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The strong implication is you won't be able to do this apart from my Spirit. Look what it says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You want to know why, as a church, as a person, in my own personal life, I may not be the witness I should be? Well, the answer is right here. It's because there needs to be this dependency upon the Holy Spirit. Jesus is implying that you will not be able to complete his mandate aside from the Spirit of God. Look at the next screen, please. He is indispensable in fulfilling the mandate of the Great Commission. By the way, I'm mentoring several pastors, and I've taught in Bethel's uh, graduate program. It's one of the things I tell young pastors. This is where you're going to mess up. It's found in this passage. Number one, in your ministry, you will not wait. You'll just plow ahead. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do this. This is what we're going to do. Well, why are we going to do that? God told me this is what we're going to do. What if you're wrong? Well, I'm not wrong. Inability to wait, inability to trust in God's Spirit. God's Spirit is who changes people's hearts. By the way, if you've got a family member not walking with the Lord, this is not dependent upon you. You need to wait. And trust in the Spirit of God. He does not need your help. See? He does not need your help. In order to fulfill what God is asking for me to do in my ministry, whether it's preaching or whatever it is. You know, I'm going to be speaking at Brown City Camp. There's a number of folks who are going to be going to Brown City Camp. I'll see you up there in just a few weeks. I can do all of my planning and preparing and creating of illustrations, practice. I can be fully prepared to go. And I've done these things before. But I tell you what, that's not what's going to change people's hearts, is it? What will? The Spirit of God working. See? And your tendency, as mine, you're going to think, I just need to try harder. I need to work at it harder. I need to, I need to find a catchier illustration. Well, there's nothing wrong with those things. But I tell you what, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, thus says the Lord of hosts. And I've discovered in my life that I can be a shell of a Christian and you're going to see in just a minute, there's going to be something else that's missing if I try to do this in my own strength. This is a tricky thing. 
because you, you can't put a micrometer on it. You, you can't quantify this. It's a, it's, it's a hard thing. And that's why we're going to have the next four, five, six weeks together, hopefully, Lord willing, that we can plow through this. Finally, John chapter 20, watch this. Next screen, please. Oh, back, let's go back, please. My mistake. It's not on the screen. Look at your scripture, John 20. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, underline the phrase, Jesus came. Jesus came. Stood among them and said, circle the word peace. So you got Jesus coming. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were what? Predicate adjective. What is it? Overjoyed. Would you circle that word? When they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, what's the next word? Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, what? He breathed on them, underline the verb breathed, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. My goodness, what a passage. Again, this whole idea of breath, the Holy Spirit. Commentators aren't quite sure what's happening here because, by the way, the Holy Spirit doesn't show up officially upon the church until Pentecost, Acts 1. This is still the Gospel of John. So the question I have for you, as many commentators would have, is this. What's going on? then what does this mean? What happens in the upper room when Jesus goes, receive the Holy Spirit? What happened? Then what happens on Pentecost? Well, I think what happens on Pentecost is that the Spirit of God descended upon the church in an official way, anointing them as a corporate body. I think what's happening here, and I could be wrong, but it seems like that, that, that there is this personableness of receiving the Holy Spirit in order to discover, by the way, look what you underlined. Jesus came, the presence of Jesus, the peace of Jesus, and the joy of Jesus. Isn't that what you see in the passage? Which brings us to this one. I think what John is telling us, the beloved apostle, is if you're lacking peace in your life, I just, I'm, just, I'm just unsettled. I've just got this turbulence. If you're lacking joy in your life, and if you just say, I just feel so alone, I just don't feel like, I feel like God's abandoned me. What it is, it's an, an, an inability for me to recognize the power of the Holy Spirit that's available to me. And we're going to unpack this in the weeks ahead. We're going to unpack this on the, in the weeks ahead. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? People say, well, God, God just kind of told me. To, well, how's that work? Well, he never told me anything. We're going to kind of plow through that stuff. No matter what you're going through, when I've got the promise of his presence and the promise of his Spirit, you can do this. We were at our small group Friday night, 
at the lodge where you, who, you and Sarah are going to be going soon. Our small group occasionally meets up in Buchanan, Michigan at Life Action. That's how we know a lot of these folks because they're in our small group. And one of the guys shared, he goes, you know what, during devotions for Life Action this week, he said, um, the guy, the pastor sharing his, the devotional said, he talked about that he was aware and heard of, of, a, of a house that caught on fire. They got all the pets out, they got all the children out, and then they discovered we're missing one of our kids, a little boy, seven-year-old. And they're outside, they can't go back in, the fire is blazing, firemen are there, and this little boy appears at the window. And he's a couple stories up. And he's screaming out the window, and dad's down below. And dad says, son, I want you to jump. I want, I'm here. I want you to jump. I'll catch you. And the little boy says, dad, I, I can't jump because I can't see you. And the dad says, but I can see you. But I can see you. No matter what you're going through, you may not be able to see the Lord. And in the midst of the heat and the fire and the smoke and the terror, it's just so hard. But never forget, beloved, he can see you. And his spirit is there. And together, we're just going to learn to trust him. Aren't we? Huh? We're going to learn to trust him. I want you to bow your head as I pray. Father, I, I want to thank you for the gift of your spirit. You don't make this easy. People who say the Christian life is simple well, it's a simple message. The Christian life is hard. In fact, it's impossible unless we do so with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I for one, mark me down as one of those guys that's still trying to learn how to do this. Everywhere I go, there I am. I get in the way. And Lord, my prayer is that you will help each one of us during these days to sense your presence, your peace, your joy, because the breath of God has been breathed into us. Teach us dependency and how to navigate this through this stuff, for we cannot do it on our own. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask if you'd stand and we'll bless one another as we're dismissed. After I pronounce the blessing, if you'd say, and also to you, in that way, we'll bless one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. May you ask God to send you his helper, the Holy Spirit. May you received, receive his gift of the Holy Spirit. And may the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit give you peace. Amen. You are loved. Go with God's grace.